review, y'all. Jump. The rest of the film. Jump. With my boy, Todd Hastings. Todd Hastings open his bitch. And that new Dylan got broke. Dylan got. So what you got? You know what it is. Come on. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. I'm doing the fucking intro this week. Ladies and gentlemen, it's part whatever it is of the year-long Vince McMahon saga. This week, we'll be talking about 1982 to 1983 Vince McMahon's seizure and the, what would you say, What do you, the toys he had to play with when he took control of the WWF. That's right, everyone. It's 1982. Vince McMahon Jr. has given Vince McMahon senior cancer. Mm-hmm. That's how we got it. <laughs> His right-hand man is a homophobic hockey player. His future right-hand man would be a gay man. His next right-hand man will be death. Yeah. No, no. His next right-hand man will be is uh, is that guy who's running the XFL because the XFL isn't going to lose as much money as projected. So that guy is going to be well-loved at the old McMahon household briefly. And then in two years, the NFL will figure out a way to crush the XFL. Then that guy, Oliver Muck, I think is his name, which sounds like a porn star. He'll be killed. And then Vince McMahon will, much like L. Ron Hubbard, um, uh, shred his ethereal body and ascend into the sky. <laughs> I don't know, man. They gotta. The XFL should have some more XFL-y type rules. Like, I think it's... It's funny because its predecessor has such a bad brand name that that's still a brand name. It's kind of like how they rebooted Mad About You. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, no one really liked it the first time around, but at least people know what it is. This new XFL is essentially Mad About You without Ira. <laughs> Who could watch Mad About You without Ira? Exactly, right? Mm, that's like watching the show Joey without his sister. Oh, yeah, Joey. I have all the seasons of Joey. You have one season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have I have it on DVD. I have all the seasons of Joey. Uh, I remember a guy whose name I won't mention because he'll definitely get back to him when he's a piece of garbage uh, that we both know and both dislike greatly. Uh, and he, I remember him vividly once telling me that Joey was much better than people should give it credit for. And then he later asked me for money because he gave me some chips at his house. I like that. I like both those things. Saying Joey is underrated and then asking for money because you had some chips. <laughs> Literally, I've never in a moment of my life been like, I'm giving you the $3 and that, my friend, is me paying you off to never be your friend again. I'm going to actively root against you from now on. See, me, I would actually take, I would actually uh, have not what paid. What would you actually do? Just... What would you actually do? Because I don't think you'd fucking speak. Show up to their house, 6 a.m. Oh, would you? Go, I don't think you would. I think I'm ready lying. for my chips. I'm ready for my chips. I think what you would do is you have three beers, put your glasses on upside down, and your wife would look vaguely irritated. No, Dylan, is what you yeah. would say. No, thank and you, Dylan. And I fart so hard, I nutted. <laughs> Sorry, it pressed on my O spot. Mmm, <laughs> baby, I just went egg out my back and white out my front. <laughs> Clean up and I'll do them. Ha. <laughs> I sharted and then I shummed. That's when you shit fart come. <laughs> Someone <laughs> Some get the hose. Your chum shummed. <laughs> you know what I would do if I was a doctor? I'd, uh, I, I go in. I go in. Someone's like, they're on. Maybe they're in a uh, palliative care. Like it's oh, no. they oh, only sure, have moments to live. They're in hospice care, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. And then I and then I I turn to their family. And I go. I think he just has to nut. And then I try and jack him off. <laughs> Would you be whatever the equivalent of being disbarred is for that? Arrested? Yeah. No, disbarred. Like you're not a doctor anymore. But no, also, no, no. You'd also be. You'd lose your medical license, but you'd also be arrested for just insisting on jacking off a stranger against their will. That's. I don't say you insist. I'd say you'd. You just start jacking off. And then also, if they're in palliative care, they don't really have a will anymore, do they? So you lose, you Louis C.K. them, and as you're doing it, being like, it's for science, no. not... Yeah, yeah, you're the Louis C.K. <laughs> of wrestling podcasts. Louis C.K. didn't... Louis C.K. jacked off in front of them. He didn't jack them off. Oh, that makes everything exactly the same. You're much worse. You, oh. so you, ass 
So I read so I read their chart and then I say, "Oof, I got to jack off." That works too. <laughs> yeah, I just want to be clear what Oof. kind of monster you are. We just need to know we know you're a monster. <laughs> Sorry, palliative care really fucking turns me on. Does anyone here want to bang? Yeah. I'll leave. <laughs> What's up, weeping ants? I just want to let you know he's not coming back from this vegetative state, but that smell of jello and ether really gets my fucking stack hard <laughs> he might be a vegetable but there's one part of my body that's turned into a cucumber let's rock <laughs> mm, i was just reading about this book about uh, uh hustlers in hollywood in the 1930s and apparently rock hudson liked to chew on foreskin who wants to treat me like rock hudson whoa did he yeah apparently well i mean at that point being gay was so taboo you could just really be like well i mean i you know, what was it like if you were just a gay man who just had normal tendencies? Yeah, you would get beaten up by the police every day. So I would assume that Rock Hudson was like, I'm famous as Macmillan from Macmillan and Wife. No one can know I'm gay. I have to use a pretend voice so people are unaware of my proclivities. Um, let's get weird. Let's get fucking weird. You know who got weird in 1980? Vince McMahon. <laughs> God damn right. Formed and Linda. Titan Sports with Linda McMahon. They've purchased their dad. Uh, now, Titan Sports at this point, just to be clear, has yet to purchase the company, but is in the process of purchasing the company? Correct. Or Titan Sports is running Cape Cod. I got very confused in the beginning of the research. Either way, Bob Backlund is champion. He buys the company in 83 because he quickly turns around. But this is all... This is... Yeah. This is this is the whole thing where he's building up to he has a very obviously a very good advantage which is he knows the a he knows the business inside out he has an applied knowledge of wrestling he knows everyone of his employees inside out and he also is not going to let anything stop him from making the succeed by which i mean He's just walking up to people who've worked for his dad for 15 years and been like, you're not going to work here anymore yeah. in three weeks. Hi, what is your name? I, my name's Albert, and my job is to take the photos, and I'm a convicted sex pervert. Yes, Albert, you'll be <laughs> fired. <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah, no, even, yeah, especially the ringside staff. Oh, hi, I'm the guy that licks the ring to make sure that when Fabulous Moolah's pussy gets on it, she's licked my tongue. So that's a job? Ah, I got other jobs. I clean the garbage, but that's the main thing I do. All right, you got to leave. How you doing? I've, I've, I've put most... Uh, hey, I put most of my scabs in my mouth. I just hang out by ringside and make sure any children that come are uncomfortable. <laughs> I licked the kids. Oh, you're a weird guy, but I'll use that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are, who are you? Ah, uh, I'm Gorilla Monsoon. I just gambled away Madison Square Garden. It's now owned by the Japanese. Hire that man. <laughs> oh, hi, Vince. How are you? I put an actual bet on that. I bet that Bob Backlund will beat the Iron Shake. Even though I knew the Sheik was going to win. What a maneuver. Can you save my wife? I don't enjoy gambling. I enjoy chaos. The only way I can sleep is if I know I'll wake up to a pile of hell. Quickly, someone steal my car. <laughs> now I'm going to go flag a cab in New York and pull a gun on him. I like excitement. Quickly, take me to that part of Chinatown where a man with an eye patch will challenge me to a gambling match. I'm going to go in there and I'm just going to piss on his leg. I'm only happy <laughs> when I'm scared. Alfie, excuse me, Vince. I'm going to see and participate in dog fights. Oh, you think I own a dog? I do not. I'm going to fight the dogs myself. Release all the dogs to me, Gorilla Monsoon. I'm not even going to take off my weird floral blazer. Jess, what do you think of this? Well, I don't know, no, you don't know, no, no, no. Very good, Jess. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, that's them off of it. It's just Gorilla Monsoon. Please don't kill my son. And Jesse Ventura, there's a conspiracy out there. You have to it under. You gotta understand something. 
Listen to me, everyone. It's important Joey Morella dies because Morella, two L's like the towers, <laughs> twin towers, 9-11. <laughs> In a while, what's going to happen is a, a government organization called the Chicago Blackhawks are going to trade for me and I'll win the Stanley Cup. Here's the thing with Jesse Ventura. Clearly PTSD, clear t- clearly CTE. I agree with a lot of things he said, but he doesn't know how to argue any of his points. Well, someone once said, like, why do you think 9-11 is an inside job? And he's like, well, the government's lied to us before. And it was like, well, how? And he's like, the Kennedy assassination. They killed Kennedy. And then the person was like, I don't believe the Kennedy assassination happened that way because of these points. And he goes, you didn't serve in the military. You have to serve in the military. And then basically just sort of freaked out. And it's just like, you don't actually have any points or knowledge, Jesse. You're surface level knowledge. And you're a really, he's a really good broadcaster. It is an unsung, I know this is way ahead of the thing, but it's unsung about how good Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura are together um, for those first six WrestleManias. They are as good, I would actually say better than JR and the King because they have to keep it clean while JR and Jerry the King Lawler, they could, you know, spice it up by being like, oh, well, you know what, King, he's about to fuck him in the ass and then kill him because he's bad. <laughs> That's right, oh! a pedophile though that's important to remember that i do not think that if there's an age that i can't fuck i'm a bad person well <laughs> like gorilla and jesse had to actually talk about like hammer locks and stuff like that and build the story and narrative of wrestling that's totally not acknowledged but unfortunately even though gorilla didn't know any of the names of the moves Oh, it seems like he's got some sort of closed fist hurtling towards his face there, Jess. Anyway, I just bet $16,000 that it won't rain ever again. (laughs) Jess, it's important to remember that uh, the brain, when hit with other parts of someone else's body, could hurt. Or in some cases, not hurt as much. (laughs) In the year... Is 1980. Titan Sports is formed February 21st, 1980. Mm, Day I lost my virginity five years before I was born. That's how fucking hot I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lost my virginity. Five years. Four years later, earlier, the fucking... uh, John's mom and John's dad were fucking 69-ing. Yeah, probably. He fucking gooped in his own... He gooped in a pint glass and poured it in his mom because... What? That's the Hastings tradition. It is. You know That's what? what? It's a weird thing to come out and say, but it is. We we call it we call it filling the cereal bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Time to make oatmeal only milk though. Yeah. Time, time to make a cake. Milk cake. <laughs> so so that was happening. And uh Yeah, well my mom and dad were making milk cake. Dylan, go ahead. So, well, your mom and dad were making milk cake. Hulk Hogan, this is very important. Yeah. Hulk Hogan does wrestle Bruno Sammartino, Andre the Giant, and Bob Backlund in the early 80s. Yeah, when Hulk Hogan... And Vince oh. McMahon gets to see and get a full stack boner about Hulk Hogan, because it's like... I don't think that he got a full stack boner about Hulk Hogan at this time. I think he had a double full stack boner about uh, superstar Billy Graham. And superstar Billy Graham, by the time Vince McMahon Jr. was in power, was mostly steroids and doing karate. So Hulk Hogan became the logical successor. Can you explain the karate part? Because that is important. It's very important. You got to remember this. So in the 70s, like all things in America, black people discover it first. So first of all, there's martial arts in various parts of Asia. That comes over to America. In the 70s... Uh, Bruce Lee is the proponent of martial arts. Black people discover it. They get really into it. And a lot of black exploitation movies are essentially tits and then a guy doing a weird karate kick in platform shoes. Then, 15 years later, because wrestling is, if anything, very timely, um, white people discovered it. And superstar Billy Graham, when he was in the NWA, was bald, looked weirdly like Hulk Hogan, but like Hollywood Hulk Hogan, and was telling everyone that he had been in Japan for five years, and he had learned karate. And based on his use of the bear hug and no karate moves, he was not paying attention during those lessons in Japan. It was basically like if Triple H, after his huge knee injury, didn't come back like 
four times the size. He just came back and was like, I left as the game, but now I'm the karate game. <laughs> yeah. But it was like... No, no, no. And he also had to bear, bear in mind, he came... If Triple H came back from that knee injury at, in TNA Impact as the yoga instructor. <laughs> yeah. And he insisted no- on it. Like, he was like, no, no... We think you could just be the superstar because it's before intellectual property is part of the wrestling zeitgeist. No, 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 no. They want to see me do karate. And the other thing is, Hey-yah! now Kumite. Kumite. Linda, Linda, <laughs> Linda McMahon clearly is like, because I feel like Linda's from a very well-to-do no. Southern family. Here's what Linda's from. Linda is from a family that has some, it has a normal amount of love and respect for each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's from a middle class family, and the middle class family, is, I assuming, is like Linda's. Like the the woman never says anything to the man. I disagree. That's not. I disagree. I think Linda's family, because based on what everyone says about Linda, Linda is Linda and Shane are just nice, normal people, and Vince McMahon and Stephanie are hell beast monsters. So essentially, what has happened is Linda was raised in a family where it's like, um, could you pass the roast beef? Please. Hey, what's with that curt tone when it comes to the roast beef? I'm very sorry. I had a bad day at the factory. This is the house Vince McMahon was raised in. I will fuck you, Vince, if you don't go steal me a sandwich. I'm all your stepdads. (laughs) Do you want to see the inside of your fucking body? I will fucking stab you. That was Vince's house. Those people got together. So this is dinner at the McMahon family in 1980. Um, Vince... Um, we need to pay for dinner. What do you want to do? We're starting a company called Titan Sports. <laughs> and I'm going to start a wrestling league slash hockey league where people fight on ice. No, hun, we're not doing any of that. I will be involved in the business as well. Because if you are very good at chapter one promoting, but if other people aren't involved, you literally will just be like, here's the plan. It's going to be... Antonio Inoki versus Muhammad Ali. No other discussion will take place as to what that will be. And we already did that, hun, and it was the most boring thing that's ever happened. Yeah, Linda starts being like, okay, I don't, I want to like retire in a house and not in a garbage can. So we're going to say no to some of your ideas. We also don't know. So at some point in the 80s, Vince McMahon Sr., uh, developed cancer, moved permanently to Florida where he lived on the same street as Eddie Graham, which was why that Florida territory was always protected during the territorial oh, no. expansion. <laughs> Eddie, Graham. Eddie Graham, Vince McMahon Sr. being like, I'm going to have a steak and I'm going to have potatoes. I have very little time left. Are you sure you don't want to come over and watch my sons torture one of the local boys? They oiled him up. We told them they were going to be gardeners, but we oiled them up, and now Mikey's just shooting all over him. He's just shooting. Here's the thing to remember about me, Eddie Graham. Is, ha, 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 I divorced my wife before my son was born, and then we just pretended we were married for 40 years. <laughs> I divorced my wife, and I pushed her down, then I remarried her, all within the span of three and a half minutes. Anyway. Vince, welcome to Florida. I invented putting pills on my mushroom head so they dissolve. <laughs> Don't throw away your laundry lint, you fucking idiot. That's for eating. Mm, keeps you thin when you're doing the cocaine. Um, <laughs> so at some point in uh, the early to mid-80s, Vince McMahon Sr. is stepping back, and you can see that this is happening very slowly. Now, the it, was popu- their early, it was their early 80s. He was stepping back in 81, 82. But the popular narrative is that Vince McMahon Sr. just sort of stepped back all of a sudden. If you look at the research, that's not true. It's a very slow, calculated rollback between father and son. Vince, in interviews, has talked about the fear he was having as his father was going through his retirement, and also coming to grips with the fact that his dad would not be there as a consigliere type figure, which I sort of half believe in that I think Vince knows he needs to say that, but I also think Vince, in his heart of hearts, is just like, now is my time, you didn't think I could promote, I'm going to be the greatest promoter of all time, let's fucking do this. Now, the what's weird right now is they also are making a lot of money, they're spending a lot of money, because Bob Backlund is the champion. Bob Backlund is not a popular champion in New York, so they are stacking the cards. Everyone underneath in a Bob Backlund card was really fucking 
uh, good and popular in the New York area. And also a giant schism before uh, between Vince McMahon Jr. and Sr. is formed because before Bob Backlund, who was the champion? Bill Clinton. It was Monica Lewinsky's boyfriend, consensual Bill Clinton. Uh, it was Bill... Uh, it was superstar Billy Graham. Superstar Billy Graham was Vince McMahon's pick to lead the company. Vince McMahon Sr. had already planned that Backlund was going to get the championship. He was an all-American boy. It led to a giant falling out and Graham becoming superstar karate Billy Graham, but planted the seeds for Hulk Hogan. This is an entire... This whole... These two years... and this The early 80s is essentially Vince McMahon losing his virginity and getting a bunch of weird kinks because he... like. He didn't lose his virginity just in a calm way. He accidentally lost his virginity while like watching a horror film and a dog came and licked his balls while he was looking at feet. So he developed all these fucking kinks. Bob Backlund is the champion and they have to spend too much money to fill Madison Square Garden. He hates little people, doesn't think they can be champion. Superstar Billy Graham was making them a shitload of money and was surprised and is a muscular talker. He demands all of his champions essentially be that. He... Does not like women because his wife is a woman. And at one point in the 80s, she uh, asked him to say excuse me after he held her head underneath his asshole and farted. It was a wet fart. <laughs> and he was driving. And that... I believe that. The quote-unquote embarrassment is why he disrespects women from here on out. His dad got cancer uh, after Vince saw him eating a slice of pizza. Vince has never eaten food with his, uh, with his hands again. <laughs> well those this was something that uh i think another guy told me i don't know if this is true but vince mcmahon apparently calls another guy he only told eats you. steak he only eats steak and a wrap with ketchup on it and refuses to call it a burrito <laughs> i mean yeah it's bread you wrap it up steak with ketchup you mean a burrito no <laughs> It's a wrapped ketchup steak thing. The people that invented burritos are probably pretty happy because they'd be like, no, that's also Oh, not wait, a no, 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 no. It's what he calls it a burrito. And everyone's like, that's not a burrito. That's like, <laughs> that's disgusting. That's an 11-year-old made dad dinner and dad's eating it even though he's going, this is the worst thing I've ever eaten in my life. It's something you would quickly make while you were drunk and just about to go to bed. Like you're in the midst of a blackout and you're like, oh, I guess I ate that. I remember watching a friend of mine hammered drunk just frying bologna. And he was taking his time, like he was. It was a low heat. No, people, uh, people eat fried bologna. That's a big thing. Fried bologna. Is it? Yeah. Didn't look good. Yeah, man. Canada didn't changed. look. Good. <laughs> didn't look good. That was a crazy night. I drank a bunch of white Russians and then literally vomited the full circumference of a house. <laughs> All right, was, we got to get this part out though. There's three members of Vince McMahon's inner circle: Linda, Jim Troy. And Joe Perkins, who was Vince Sr.'s syndication salesman. So this is very telling. The reason he has Jim Troy in there is because he's a non-wrestling guy and thus will not call Vince McMahon Jr. Because he doesn't want Arnold Skolan coming in being like, Hey, I brought a bunch of mouthwash on the rocks if you want to get fuckered. Anyway, <laughs> here's how you should fucking run your company, Vince. You get small guys. You get little bitty small guys. So if anyone's gonna try and take the title off you can kick their fucking ass hey vance i got a bunch of diapers on discount because you're still a baby you're a baby <laughs> i'm gonna change your diaper i'm on school and i don't know what it is to be sober my blood is gin i don't know how i talk yeah. <laughs> this is just a bunch of voices <laughs> no one knows what arnold scolan sounds like because he thought all microphones were jewish Okay, here we gotta t <laughs> we gotta talk about. He was an anti-Semite, is what I'm saying about Arnold Skolan. He's an anti-Semite. Oh, they all were. Of course. Go ahead. So here's what Titan cost: 1.6 million dollars, which in 2020 would be 1.4. Sorry, 4.2 million. So not that much. But also, you can't just do what companies do now back then, which is just we lost 15 billion dollars last year. That sounds fantastic. I'd love to invest. <laughs> it's like Uber and Airbnb have never made money. Um, Routinely lose a billion dollars and venture capitalists are like, but it might make money somehow or they'll put a clock in it. I don't know. Not my money. <laughs> so this, this was agreed to June 6, 1982 was when Vince McMahon officially bought the company but was not made public till a year later because he had to basically pay rent every month to his dada and it 
if he missed one payment, then the company would revert back to his dad and his dad got to keep all the money. Two additional pieces of information about the deal. Arnold Skolan and Gorilla Monsoon got a guarantee for one and a half times the average wage of a wrestler for every show staged. And Vince McMahon's father was so concerned about, oh, this is Vince's ability to fulfill, he insists the clause be put in the contract that it would be nullified at his discretion if one monthly payment was missed. Here's how he got the money together. He got together all his loans guaranteed from the Cape Cod Coliseum, uh, from New England banks, and future income from WWF shows. Good fucking Christ. Once he bought... The uh, company, him and Jim Troy, went out to become, as they said, the drunkest men in New York, which I assume means <laughs> they went to a massage parlor, no drinking. Yeah, I assume that that meant that Vince went to a gym and then uh, paid someone to break a bottle of wine over a homeless guy's face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jim, <laughs> keep, he just got jacked off in a massage parlor and they just went, keep him coming. <laughs> and they went, What? He's like, I got cum for days. And he was just eating celery as fast as he could. What's very interesting is this the, the payment structure of this deal was very similar to the payment structure that eventually is what crippled one of the things that crippled Jim Crockett promotions, which is all right, so you have to say at the end of this year I make a hundred thousand dollars. Let's say you have to pay that every month. If you miss a payment, I keep the rest of the money. Uh, or at the end of it, it's made up in the difference, stuff like that. That deal fucked over Jim uh, Jimmy Crockett because they basically were spending too much money on paying the wrestlers and couldn't make up the difference, so they lost the company. And in this case, it was brilliant and essentially set Vince McMahon a timetable and a schedule for which to take over the company, and he was able to by 1983. Now, again... I guarantee this is also 1982 is when Vince McMahon Sr. is talking his bro, uh, his son through how to take over the territories, all that sort of stuff. Keep it secret. I'm still the face of the company. Establish all those relationships. You're here more and more. You're bringing in your own guys. By 1983, boom, they're rolling. They're ready to fucking go. But the other thing I would be very interested in is what... How do you define what the average wrestler's pay is? By which I mean Vince McMahon especially with his family history and knowing who he is as a man, like, is he have like a average pay history where basically it's like, okay, so it's the person who's making the median income. So he has 15 wrestlers. Let's say he has 31 wrestlers. He has 15 wrestlers making good money. And then those last 16, they're making $16 a show. So it's like, here's your $20 gorilla monsoon. Here's your $20 Arnold Skoland. Here's the mouthwash on the rocks. Gorilla, here's a gun with a bullet in it. Enjoy your gambling and booze, respectively. Bear in mind, I hate you both and wish you were both dead. Wait, what? Yep. Just how I feel. <laughs> I must admit, so here's what he says to New York Magazine, Vince does. I don't really believe any of us thought... I was gonna. Uh, any of us thought I was gonna make that last payment or even the second last payment. I, I again, it's very weird. In a lot of the press articles, when he speaks about the early days of him taking over the company, there was this faux humility. He well, he wants he wants to see. He sees himself as a rags to riches thing, which for sure he grew up in a trailer park with an abusive entire family, um, and he fought his way out of like a horrible situation. Yes, but. He was thrown a lifeline. Vince McMahon, his life story is if HBO made the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, it's that's exact. Yeah, and not current HBO. Vince not Senior Game is of, Uncle Phil. Not Game, not Game of Thrones. HBO. We're talking early two thousands HBO. We're talking yeah. Oz HBO. Oz. Yeah. Yeah. Vince, before you can take over the wrestling company, you got to be butt fucked by all these Aryan brothers. Oh well, that seems like a good plot point. Ha ha ha! Yeah. yeah, don't do it one at a time, boys. All at once, it's <laughs> rip the bandaid off. It's a wide asshole from all my shitting. Ha 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 ha! ha. <laughs> I, uh, your hate fuels me. <laughs> who killed? Who killed all these Aryan brothers? My asshole did. Ha <laughs> I shit on them. Yeah, my shit was so hard it crushed their decks, and then they killed themselves. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I want to take a break just because I want that to be the last thing. Uh, so after the break, we're gonna talk about how. 
Hulk Hogan got to the WWF. We're going to shortly go over that. We're going to talk, talk about, about Special the- Delivery Jones. Yeah, the roster that Vince McMahon inherited from his father. Mm. And uh, then I'm going to talk about how uh, I have an OnlyFans and I'm getting off of Patreon. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, OnlyFans is the site that all the porn stars use, so I can make use an OnlyFans. Ah, that's a fun thing. And I will share a story about meeting a porn producer yesterday. And let me tell you, there's a there was a lot of emptiness in that person's eyes. Yeah, of course. They have to walk up to a woman who just had sex with four guys and be like, "Here's thirty dollars. We're doing this for exposure." After the break. Mm, Dylan Gott uses the N-word. We need money for lawyers. Donate to Patreon. Minimum donation, $5. Maximum donation, suck job. Oh, yes. Vince McMahon has inherited quite a fucking roster. Dylan, let's go through it one at a time, please. All right. Adrian Adonis. Basically, yeah, tough guy, but he's... <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, ni- it's 1981. Vince McMahon... Um, uh, transitioned Adrian Adonis's gimmick from brawler leather jacket Adrian Adonis to effeminate heel um, who played on masculine fans' homophobic insecurities to gain heat and was in a tag team with uh, Jesse Ventura. I will say this Adrian Adonis was one of the fuck, he was fucking terrifying. There was just something about this fucking bruisy dude with weird pink around one eye for no reason in a dress, just <sighs> oh, fucking great. And a really good bump and heel wrestler, I will also say, in the shades of a Tully Blanchard or an Arn Anderson. Yeah, the I think the most important ones we can go through here, which is basically Tony. So Vince changes Adrian Adonis from a brawler to he's gay, and then there's he's gay, which is bad. That's his character. Is uh you you boo him because he cheats as all gay men do. And uh, Tony Atlas, uh, he could have been Hulk Hogan, and a lot of people point to his drug use. I would say he's not as good in the ring as Hulk Hogan, and he is not as good on promos as Hulk Hogan. And he has a better look, though. He has like he has like the craziest steroid body ever. Yeah, and and that man talks about foot fetish in a way that I was like, man, I wish I had a foot fetish because that sounds like a real fun time. <laughs> So Bob Backlund, who we were talking about earlier, apparently was told, this is according to Sex, Lies, and Headlocks, uh, things are going to be changing, Bob. We need wrestlers who are larger than life. We have a guy who's coming in who's going to take us to the next level. And uh, that man, of course, was? Mean Gene Oakland. Yeah, of course it was. It was Mean Gene Oakland. They're like, Bob, you're too small. We've heard about Mean Gene Oakland. If you're here when he's here, he's going to use your skull as a thing to hold his candles. <laughs> Hello, Bob. Ah. Do you want to live a nightmare, or will you want me to release you into the abyss? Ah, hello, Bob. You seem like the kind of guy that would look good if you smelled like a rotting corpse. Ha, 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 ha. You'd have to be one as well. (laughs) Hello, Bob. I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to fucking kill you. But first, your entire (laughs) life will be brought down to a crumbling ash so that you will finally consider death a, a release. Don't think that you're even one of my finest portraits. There's a man in the Midwest whose entire family is actors, and one day I will reveal he has no love in his life, and then I will drink a martini of his tears. Welcome, everyone, to to a man so d- disturbing. His porn is the television show Criminal Mind. Uh, other important people that are part of the roster, Captain Lou Albano, who was a vodka-soaked fucking maniac that no one seemed to like, but was an integral part of the rock and wrestling connection. Went from a heel manager to being a zany good guy manager. Um, Classy Freddie Blassie, who was a manager of a variety of heels, was also a huge backstage leader and one of the few old-timers who was under Vince Sr. to truly make the transition under Vince Jr. And here's why. I guarantee he never once called him Jr., always called him Vince to his face and respected him. Because I get got news for you. Freddie Blassie, smart fucking guy who stuck around to the very end uh, as a guy doing essentially voiceover for the company and offering grandfatherly advice to Vince's kids. This guy's a fucking pro businessman who essentially got a check from this company for fucking... 30 years and towards the end of it all it was was him coming out and being looking very concerned and yelling things like Devon get the ca- tables yeah that's true and 
uh, so we got Fabulous Moolah, which is very funny because here's how little anyone cares about women's wrestling in the mid-80s is that she's also got the NWA title. <laughs> they're warring and they're like, who cares? Yeah. Like, just let Moolah have the NWA title. It doesn't fucking If matter. we have to go get the belt from her, she's going to make us go to her house, and that's weird. <laughs> Hi, darling. Drink this and lie down. This. Every second person on any, w- or on any roster from a wrestling company in the 80s uh, jokes about them being a serial serial killer can be made, and they're not that far off. <laughs> Mr. Fuji uh, obviously was a great manager. Special Delivery Jones was very, very, very affected. Here's how he was. He went from a mid-carter to just a jobber. As we all know, lost to King Kong Bundy in less than a second. Yeah, King Kong Bundy just uh, essentially used him as shit. Don Morocco, uh, Pedro... <laughs> he didn't use him as shit. Used him as shit. Uh, Don Morocco, who was brought in as... Uh, was an excellent mid-card, sort of icy belt, tough guy. Ivan Putsky, who was considered ruined by his time in New York because he got muscles and actually talked. George the Animal Steel... Let's talk about George the Animal Steel, another one of Vince McMahon's senior guys who made the transition beautifully for a couple of reasons. He's a professional athlete. He's an athlete. He's a, foot, a high school football coach. So guess what George the Animal Steel understands? Vince McMahon is the boss. I respect him. He also adds legitimacy because he is Bruno Sammartino. Bruno Sammartino and George the Animal Steel were very good friends in the locker room. Obviously, Bruno Sammartino, I don't know if you guys noticed this, bit of a fucking cock. George the Animal Steel was the main heel that um, Bruno had fought before he got big in New York, would come back and forth and they would fight. George the Animal Steel essentially like bridged the cap gap for Bruno because Bruno was like, they're doing all this fake st- stuff It's not legitimate. And George was like, yeah, and I'm making a bunch of money and I can retire. And Bruno's like, well, uh, I guess that's fine. George then becomes a road agent. Suddenly, Bruno doesn't like the company anymore. Connection? Probably not, but still, I like to make that point. Yeah. So he, Vince also, Vince Jr., changes it to him giving promos with the view of an actual animal. So basically, you can see the two major... The two major um, character choices he's made here are Adrian Adonis, flamboyant gay man from hard-hitting competitor, George the Animal Steel, hard-hitting competitor to silly animal boy. He pushes Don Morocco, who's jacked as fuck, and downgrades Special Delivery Jones, who is not jacked as fuck. I also wanna- the Wild Samoans uh, are also uh, a tag team during this time, and they are intricate because they are the ones who attack Bob Backlund who then Hulk Hogan debuts to help save. And Hulk Hogan also gets a huge pop. And immediately, if you watch that clip, you're like, how is Bob Backlund ever even supposed to wrestle any... Like, you could just see the star power and the stage presence that Hogan has so much more than Backlund. It's like, oh, this this guy's helping this neighbor's kid. Well, what are the advantages Hulk Hogan's coming in with? Hulk Hogan leaves the WWF. Over the fact that Vince Sr. does not want him to do Rocky Three, You have to understand, Hulk Hogan is essentially the only wrestler to appear in a Hollywood movie that's actually fucking good. That isn't I hurt people and is terrifying. Everyone in the that's world, true. name a wrestler. Before Hulkamania anything, they would go, that guy from Rocky Three. Then he goes to the AWA and Hulkamania starts in the AWA. One of the great disasters for Vince McMahon Jr. is Hulkamania is an AWA innovation through Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan created all of that. Then he comes to the WWF. Coming to the WWF, he has recognition through magazines, through, again, the concept that Vince McMahon has always held is that wrestling is only the WWE. That has never been true. Wrestling fans, especially the diehards that would be a part of the audience at Madison Square Garden in the early 80s, were reading magazines, were getting information, and they were seeing the photos, hearing the stories of this guy who's literally fucking blowing shit up in the AWA, and then he shows up in New York! Holy fuck! So of course he gets that giant pop. It... Because everyone who watches wrestling at this time also reads all of the after mags, which are like Pro Wrestling Illustrated, um, Pro Wrestling Weekly, and you have the rankings of the territories. You have the top 10 rankings of who's closest to the title, and basically they try and make sense of wrestling, which is fun. But then you get to like, 
they would always have these articles like who would win. I remember these huge when WCW and WWF were around was like who would win Stinger, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, and they would actually talk about who would win in the match. You know what I mean? And this and seeing Hulk Hogan, a, a star that big from Rocky Three, a crossover star like that in WWF was a huge deal. Absolutely. And also, you have to keep in mind none of these fans saw Hulk Hogan wrestle. Yeah, they have no they they have no idea what to expect. But and which is again a huge advantage for him because he's shit. <laughs> he in the early '80s is way better than he would be because he doesn't know how little he can get away with doing. Fair, fair. It's like you ever see him wrestle in Japan where he's like actually taking bumps. Yeah, and he uses and he uses a standing up. He uses the he uses the fucking elbow thingamajigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good stuff. Uh, Andre the Giant's obviously on the roster. The NWA is still using him on tour. And this is fun because they think he was going to be a huge star for them because of his appearance as Bigfoot in the $6 million man. John, what does... (laughs) Like, I love the idea that they're going to push somebody not because... Like, obviously, Andre's a huge star, but, like, they're pushing somebody because, oh, this guy had a really big appearance on Magnum P.I. as a tree. This guy was on, this guy plays the helicopter in MASH. He's going to make us a million dollars. I'm the helicopter. Um, Yeah, again, it's also, this is, again, this is all the creation of Vince McMahon's fetishes. Hulk Hogan got fame from an outside thing so therefore he is clearly better than all the other wrestlers on the roster he tries the same thing with andre not understanding andre is fucking impressive because he's just gigantic and has an afro and at this time is doing drop kicks and bumps and his alcoholism hasn't fucking destroyed his body as as is same thing with his gigantism so he's again it's all these perfect things of the fans love and respect andre bob Backlund looks so much different than uh, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan has all this name recognition, is being built through the press. Hulk Hogan coming in, all of this sort of fucking shit, and then the second that Hulk Hogan comes in, beats Iron Sheik for the belt, you have Andre the Giant in there who can be like, that was amazing. And then... Yeah, who can give him tap on the back. Yeah, give him this weird rub and pour champagne on him in the most awkward interview ever. Uh, it also has... Uh, he also has other big stars around. He has the soul man Rocky Johnson who's tagging with Tony Atlas to be tag team champions. who's a really hot tag team. He's got Jimmy Snuka who was essentially Hulk Hogan before Hogan came in to the point that um, Don Morocco supposedly was used to cool down Jimmy Snuka's heat because they knew Hogan was coming in and also, of course, because Jimmy Snuka was a murderer and they couldn't have him being on top of the company. They just have to cut. Yeah, you can't give gold to a drug addict. Yeah, 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 because he's going to pawn it. Brother, I sold the belt. But uh, but, uh, I killed the Iron Sheik and melted him down for fat and sold him to a foundry. (laughs) (laughs) So Big John Studd, because Vince, this is the thing, Big John Studd is signed because... Andre the Giant is still on loan to NWA territories, so he signs Big John Studd because he wants his very own monster, but then quickly that obviously blows up because Andre is threatened by Big John Studd, so he just goes, I'm going to beat you up all the time. So basically just breaks uh, Big John Studd's spirit to the point that Big John Studd, who, by the way, should have been a logical Hulk Hogan bad guy. Like, he should have been mm-hmm. the opponent at WrestleMania four. But he just is essentially his confidence is ruined by a fucking giant fat alcoholic. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Because it's like they Big John Stud is out of wrestling by like 1990, and I if I was him, I would have been like, hey, this guy's gonna die. <laughs> this fucking uh, yeah, he retired in 1989. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you this, he died six years yeah. later. So him and Andre both died. Probably because Andre was like, you die before me. Ha ha, I'm the boss. Hi, <laughs> John, you'll die of being a fucking pussy. Ha ha ha. Um, other important, okay, uh, Mr. Wonderful. So the two big signings, we should say, are Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff and Tito Santana. Absolutely, because these are, again, huge mid-card people. Tito Santana then becomes, sort of fills that role a little bit as, like, the Hulk Hogan pal when Hogan comes in. And Mr. Wonderful yeah. is set up to be the 
Um, one of the first heel opponents for Hulk Hogan using the classic Hulk Hogan trick of they become friends turns on him. Um, the other thing that also is important to remember is all of the territories have developed all of these amazing sort of bad guy characters that are either in the running for the NWA title, A-I-E, hang on. <coughs> I also, the person waiting in the rings who doesn't debut in this town period will debut in 84 is Roddy Piper. And Roddy Piper brings something that none of these guys have, which is clear intelligence when it comes to the psychology of promotion, which Vince McMahon also doesn't have. Because Roddy Piper is, by the way, still does not have a loss against Hulk Hogan. Do you understand that he has carried that forward to death? <laughs> no, he doesn't have a loss against Hulk Hogan. I thought he lost uh, the second match. No. In WWE. Oh, uh, oh, wait. The he makes him. He make he puts him to sleep with the sleeper hold. And then there's another match. I I thought then, all of them yeah, were disqualification or there was a schmoz. Like, I don't think that he's ever been pinned by Hulk Hogan. Let's look that up I'm quickly. I'm going to look that up quickly. Dylan, you vamp. Sergeant Slaughter, before his, of course, Rock Sympathizer run, he works with Vince in 83-84, mainly feuding against Bob Backlund and the Iron Sheik. And, of course, he falls out from Vince McMahon with... This is actually an this is actually a very important thing, too. I don't know if we'll get to it later very much, but he falls out with him over his G.I. Joe toy line money, meaning Sergeant Slaughter was making much, 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 much more money Mio off of his toy. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, much more money off of the G.I. Joe toys than he was off of any work in the ring. So he just so Vince wants some of that money and he says, fuck off. And it's pretty much the same thing as when Hogan leaves the A.W.A. Give me your merch money. Absolutely not. OK, fine. Fuck you. I'm out. And then Slaughter goes to the AWA, and that is maybe the worst trade in the history of mankind. Hulk Hogan for Sergeant Slaughter. Here is a muscular bald guy with a lot of charisma for a fat bald guy with a big chin. Jay Leno, but bald. Uh, this was the beginning of uh, Sergeant Slaughter claiming that he was a Marine drill sergeant. Never was in the Marines. That only came to light a few years ago. Also, Roddy Piper has lost to Hulk Hogan in one match after Randy Savage interfered and... Yes. Broke up a submission at Super Brawl 7. Super Brawl 7. Also, we should mention this. WWF punch it, pun it, publishes. WWF publishes its first magazine, Victory Magazine, of course. That would turn into the WWF Magazine. And 1983 also, uh, wrestling is on the USA Network. Cable is expanding. And there is a wrestling league on cable network uh on the usa network southwest championship wrestling but it ran in 1982 for to decent ratings but then gets kicked off of tv because it's fucking southern wrestling and vince mcmahon replaces it with no blood kid wrestling versus like there are three things all right so <laughs> scott casey dumped a bucket of real pig shit over the head of bobby jaggers and people didn't like that. And then Tully Blanchard and Bobby Sweeten had a match where there was too much blood. And the third thing was that SCW were struggling to pay the seven grand a week they needed to stay on air. Then Vince, of course, capitalized on this, and they're still on the USA Network to this motherfucking day. Yeah, with only a brief time period where they left, went to the Viacom Spite Network family, and then returned to the USA Network um, in the mid-2000s. Uh, the other reason, of course, uh, yep. the SCW was not welcome on USA is because one network executive spoke to Tully Blanchard and felt so condescended to that they were like, find me someone who will be, e find me a sociopath. They'll be more pleasant than that square-jawed asshole who walked up to me and just went, you look like an apple if an apple was a fucking gay lord. Hey, uh, I'm getting myself ready to raise a racist daughter, so you suck my dick, Mr. USA Network. Let me tell you something about your desk. It's my toilet, Tully Blanchard, bitch. <laughs> I'm just filling out my taxes. Filling out means masturbating. Taxes means onto your desk. <laughs> Let me tell you something about Tully Blanchard. I do cocaine all the time. I do cocaine with your kids. 
<laughs> I got your kids addicted to cocaine. Tully Blanchard. <laughs> so the Grand Wizard dies, and that obviously makes Fre- Freddie Vlassie and Freddie Vlassie already had a big, but Captain Lou Obano is, has to be dusted off and thrown out of the ring because guaranteed he was like, well, this Grand Wizard guy is nearly dead, but he's also not just uh, putting elastics in his beers and in some people's beers and saying, those are mine now, and then chugging. Yeah, yeah. the thing is, is bear in mind that you can't get agreement between Jim Ross's podcast, Eric Bischoff's podcast, General Dave Meltzer Knowledge, and Bruce Pritchard's podcast. The only thing in which they've all said is, Captain Lou Albano was annoying as fuck. That's the only thing, that's the only <laughs> consensus between those four men. And Jim Cornette had said it as well. Like, they were just like, yeah, he was a, an irritating drunk. Uh, Guaranteed when they were like, they put him in the Cindy Lauper video. I don't know who made that call. But when they put him in Cindy Lauper video, if it was the casting people for Cindy Lauper, they were like, "Oof." Oh, do you not know the story? Well, here's the story. It didn't actually work out very well, but they were like, the police were investigating Jimmy Snooker's murder, and and so they were like, "We need to do something to distract people." And the murder of the murder of Jimmy Snooker's yeah, wife. the murder of Jimmy Snooker's wife. The police were investigating that, and then Captain Lou Albano. Uh, was just like, oh, we got to distract this because there's no way that our my boy, because Captain Lou Albano considered Jimmy Snooker a brother because they both had long hair. He's like, I got to distract my boy somehow. And Vince was like, I don't know how we're going to do that. And he's like, I know. Put me on television as a dad and people will be so unnerved they'll just ignore murder as a thing for six months. And they did. Yeah, and then uh, that's how stepdaughter, stepdad porn no, that started. Is, that is true because D- Dylan was a Dylan was a kid then and had a stepdaughter and was like, I want to fuck her. I'm two. I was. <laughs> that, that was Dylan as a kid. That was Dylan as a child. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My That's name's true. Dylan. My, Hi. How are you? Right now, my loads are as thin as Graham K's will be for the rest of his fucking life. Hulk Hogan is in the AWA. Basically, Greg and Vern Gagne um, are riding high. They got lots of money. It's Minneapolis, Minnesota. They're buying parcels of land. Vern Gagne is wearing wool and being a homophobe. It's very exciting times. Who is the the AWA champion? Well, it's Nick Bockwickle, who's Vern's uh, best friend, and he follows orders. He does things like, hey, Nick, I want to make sure that everyone falls asleep during this match. You got it, Vern. Hammerlock. Hammerlock. Armbar, headlock, 45 minutes. In comes the star of Rocky Three, Hulk's, um, Hulk's Hogan's. That's how his name was originally pronounced. I don't know if you guys know this, but his actually his name was originally pronounced Hulk's Hogan's. Uh, and he burns a fucking trail right through the AWA. Um, they have a conti- uh, they have a uh, quite a few matches. Between Hulk Hogan and Nick Bockwinkle, Nick Bockwinkle uh, always uh, coming out the victor in a variety of schmages. Eventually, Hogan is supposed to get the belt uh, only if he hands over uh, a portion of the money he's making from Japan. He does not want to do this. Now, according to Christopher Hobson, uh, on Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast, Hogan says that he was having the time of his life in Minnesota and he had no intention of leaving. Wrestling lore states there were uh, issues. First, Vern Gagne's reluctance to put Hulk Hogan over uh, Nick Bockwinkel, despite the fact that Hulk Hogan was the biggest star the AW ever had and quite possibly the biggest star wrestling had ever had up until that point. People point to Dusty Rhodes in Florida and other people like that. This guy was an international fucking star in Japan and in America, this guy was getting the craziest reactions ever, especially out of an AWA crowd, which is if you watch AWA fucking shows, it's essentially just a bunch of people very tired as soon as they got there, and then a blonde, already bald man comes to the ring, and they shit their fucking britches. Um, yeah, and they never let him beat Vern Gagne or Nick. Now, it also gets very weird... It also gets very weird because Hogan also also stated that uh, Vern was trying to get him to marry his daughter Kathleen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Larry Zbysko later married that same woman, and Hulk Hogan has gone on record to be like, she would, she'd been a hot piece of cunt if she didn't have Vern's fucking face. <laughs> and Larry, and then Larry Zbysko was like, oh, welcome to Larryland, Vern Jr. Oh, you want me to stop calling you that? Well, that's not in the cards, sweetheart. Now, get on all fours and not for what you mm, think. I call the New World Order the New World, New World Odor. Here's another odor. Your <laughs> pussy. Time to wash it, wife. Um, 
Larry, we're at we're at church and you're smoking weed. That's right, babe. I'm cool. <laughs> I'm gonna hang out with Scott Hall. I can't go into many chain restaurants. So here's what happens. Ver- sorry, uh, Vince McMahon says, "Come, come to New York." He Hulk Hogan wants to. So Linda. Ah, Vince McMahon already knows Hulk Hogan's secret weakness, other people's wives. <laughs> they love sponge each other at the airport, of course. And then they, of course, go to Vince and Vince and Hulk get drunk. And at about they estimate four or five a.m., which sounds like coercion. Uh, Hulk signs away his fucking life and he's going to be the biggest star in the world, which of course he does become. And Hulk returns to WWF taping December 27th, 1983. Hulk returns to the WWF at a taping in St. Louis, beating Bill Dixon in just over three minutes. And the match aired New Year's Day on 1984, so January 1st. One of the conditions for, uh, for Hogan signing was that David Schultz was also signed. Yes, that's true. He always has his friends. I like he that. He does, but Hogan. man, David D. Dr. Schultz is one of the weirdest of all the Hogan friends. Although he does strike me as V. Florida. So, yeah, it does scan. <laughs> Just Dr. D. David Schultz. Hey, dude, if you want to have the Hulkster on your team, you're going to have to take this guy who collects women's panties who he's scared first, dude. The thing I like about women's panties is that... It's like there's cheese where their crotch was, but it's not cheese. Yeah, so you gotta gotta hire that guy, dude. Anyway, he'll be licking the baseboards for a while, because he's a cuck, brother. Hey, everybody, it's me, Dr. D. David Schultz. I'm a bounty hunter now, which is terrifying. (laughs) He finds women, dude, and he doesn't really hunt them as much as he just knows where they live now, brother. My fetish is knowledge. I'm Dr. David Schultz. (laughs) I can't read, but I can listen to the words on a page. He's working on an autobiography. It's not so much an autobiography as something I call the creepy phone book, just a list of where women live, dude. In my book, it's just... (laughs) It's just security pin codes of where women are often found alone. (laughs) okay Uh, um so the science iron sheik uh does vince mcmahon to become their first their transitional champion obviously here's how bob Backlund loses the title is he's injured in the persian club challenge which gives him a reason to lose and he never taps out because arnold skolan throws in the towel now Uh, by the way something that is called back a full 10 years later what a fucking some great booking in the 90s it's true though that that shit that bret hart title run that time was great fucking storytelling it's just no one cared and that's why to this day people anytime it's like oh well well the angle's really good i don't understand why people are watching it's like sometimes people just want to see the godfather call women whores <laughs> they don't want to see like good story a lot lines. more than any re- this, that's one of the problems with the awa is the awa really tried to focus on like these two competitors are going to have a match i really like that but the thing they have to problem is that once you go out of, as we've learned of looking at the NWA versus the AEW, the NWA just attracts wrestling fans that are like, I just want to see a good bout, please. And also, if there could be a pretty lady who will talk to me, that'd be fun. And it was like, welcome to the NWA. AWA, AEW's problem is they got to appeal to both the incel nerds and the alt-right bros. And the alt-right bros want to see a black guy talk about weed and then leave quickly. <laughs> yeah man AEW is for people that love anime yeah the AEW is for people that love anime and also like like Dylan really likes MMA but there's a type of MMA guy that will talk about it like it's baseball and those guys scare the shit out of me the thing you have to remember about uh, about uh, Chael Sonnen is that of course he doesn't blink like me <laughs> so check this out I also, by the way, love AEW, but I don't like anime, so I am the opposite of my own joke. Anyway, uh, this is what Hogan alleges happened. Hogan says (laughs) that he was about to fucking walk out, but then Vince made a goddamn 
fucking deal with him because he was he was he he's like I'll go back to Minnesota. I'll I'll rebuild that bridge if you're gonna treat me like this. And then Bob Backlund will just win the title again because apparently Hogan also said that Bob Backlund expected to win the title again, which is insane. But one thing that has been confirmed is Bob Backlund did start thinking of it as a shoot, and he also thought that, as you can t- hear about in our Bob Backlund episode, he starts like being basically the religious right. He's the past Ro- Pat Robertson of professional wrestling, where it's like, well, if you don't, if you want Hulk Hogan to be your champion, he's a bad man. He smokes the green yeah. stuff. So you can't have that. By the way, I understand Hulk Hogan is actually a bad person because he's racist, but everyone's racist then. <laughs> he he would be in a tag team <laughs> with the Latin man, so he was, by definition, the least racist man on the roster. Yeah. Hulk Hogan used the N-word behind closed doors, which in 80s professional wrestling makes him Hannah Gatsby. <laughs> January 23rd, Hulk Hogan wins the WWF title from the Iron Sheik. And god damn it, Sheik apparently said that he turned down $100,000 to break Hogan's leg in that match. Of course, as we all know, and take the belt to the AWA, blah, blah, blah. He did Now, something I just want to point out. Now, um, Ver- the Ganyas claim that Vince and Hogan did this all behind their back. He intentionally left to fuck them over. Um couple of things that I don't believe in that. One, never had a contract with the Ganya, so you're fucking stupid. Two, they, um, they, they, it, when telling the story, they fuck it up by, they go, well, Hogan sent us a letter saying, I'm quitting, you guys have fucked up, I don't want to work with you anymore. And they were like, well, we thought that was Eddie Graham pranking us, so we didn't believe it. So he just walked out on us, and it's like, you guys are fucking dumb, stupid idiots. Also, your entire roster is slowly leaving. As soon as they got the like mean Gene Oakland, I would have put everyone under contract. But of course they didn't because they were too busy, I don't know, talking to Eric Bischoff about meat trucks. And also, by the way... <laughs> okay, how do we get Diet Pepsi fountain drink into my home i don't want it in the arena i just want Vern to have a little bit of sweets they also claim that hogan tried to leave and come back to the awa in 1988 which is clearly either hogan negotiating with vince and creating a situation so he has someone to offer something else or they're just straight up lying yeah they're lying there's no way that that like why would he go back to the awa because he wanted to drink he That's wanted to insane. drink vodka, no ice, and steak with Vern Gagne in the woods while Vern kept being like, <laughs> you couldn't actually like drop me in real life. You know that, right? Or maybe it was like, um, Vern still, he would have been like, I want to come back to the AWA. I'm the biggest star in wrestling. I just slammed Andre the Giant. I just want to beat Nick Bockwinkle or you in a match. And he would have been like, okay, no deal then. <laughs> uh, no, can't happen. Nope. No, nope, nope, nope. You're not beating me, a 73-year-old man. I'll give you a draw. We, but we have to go two hours and you're asleep for one of the hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is, I I just can't pin you. Like, I'm clearly better. So if it's a judge's decision, I win. But yeah, there's no way. There's no way you're pinning these beautiful oh, shoulders. Oh, hang on one second. Michael Jordan's agent's on the other line. I just want to... We're going to have a dunk contest where I beat him because I'm very good at all sports. <laughs> All right, John, that's the end of this fucking 82 to 83 chunk of Vince McMahon's career. What's your favorite thing about Vince McMahon's career during this time? I love that this is literally the period that solidifies all of his opinions. All of his opinions come from this year span. These two years are the most important in professional wrestling history because this is literally like people are catching wind of what Vince Jr. is doing, but everyone thinks, no, that's not going to happen. Fuck off. Because the, the... I didn't really understand this because, of course, it seems dumb that, like, Vince McMahon is going to consolidate wrestling and make it a worldwide thing. Of course, you would think, yeah, that's going to happen. 100% that's going to happen. Why wouldn't that happen? But viewing it from the lens of this guy's promoted uh, a fight unsuccessfully, a hockey team unsuccessfully, and a stunt unsuccessfully. The only thing he's done successfully is grow his dad's business a bit and be an announcer. Yeah. Those are the two things he's done okay. The rest, all his big ventures, have blown up in his face fucking completely. So, of course, they didn't think this was going to do anything. 
Andy, he's also the first wrestling uh, promoter to use debt as like a weapon. Yeah, he's well. It's again, it's the '80s. It's the beginning of they changed legislation so you can do that. It's the beginning of the deregulation of banks and all that sort of stuff because they need to fucking spike the American economy quickly because in the early '80s the economy was so fucked. It was the the only other time worse to go into the job force is when Dylan and I were attempting to enter the job force in 2007, 2008. At, during the giant crash. I was a year out of university and Dylan was two years out of college when that happened. So that's why. Yeah. But also we weren't going for the, yeah, I mean, we weren't, we were going for the, the jobs. We were going for the jobs worse than working for our dad at a wrestling company. We were trying to be comedians in Canada. Pardon me. Yeah. Is your name Rob <laughs> trick and you're going to host a rant night? Yes. Come this way. Tell me what's on your mind. I'm writing it all yeah. down. I got to use it for my sweet bit where uh, I take bounce and throw it at the ground. <laughs> so my favorite thing about Vince McMahon during this time, I think, is that he's smart enough to let Linda tell him what to fucking do a bit, which is, hey, three things have crashed. I get to say, no, don't spend that money. I guarantee if Linda McMahon ever decides to speak on a podcast about this time period, she'll have a bunch of stories that are like, and that's when Vince tried to buy the water supply. Yeah, I'll never forget when Vince walked in. Bear in mind, we're coming into the, the 80s. Vince McMahon almost buys a casino in a couple of years. God damn it. Yeah, of course. He doesn't understand that you should only invest in things that you know about. What's the worst thing about Vince McMahon during this time, Johnny? Uh, he unleashes uh, Hulk Hogan onto the marital life of uh, everyone. Also covers up a murder and generally becomes the monster we know and love. So yeah, I'm going to say covers up a murder is the worst one. He uh, helps cover up Jimmy Snuka's uh, murder of his girlfriend at the time. And I'll tell you this, it, he'll do anything for his employees. Unless it's paid yeah, 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 He'll do anything for his employees. If anything, that's the perfect thing for him is to have something over someone so that they can never ask for a raise. <laughs> uh, hey, brother, can I have some money because you're paying me in wet $1 bills? Ha! No, I have your fingerprints. <laughs> so that's the end of the episode, you fucking losers. Fuck off, shit my ass, and fuck my ass, and suck my ass, and then eat my ass. We're on the Instagram, we're on the Twitters, at Wrestler Review. We're on Facebook, the Wrestler Review Podcast. If you want to donate, patreon.com backslash Wrestler Review. There's a couple people who are giving a lot of money to us on Patreon, and you haven't told us which wrestler you want us to review for the goddamn Patreon episode. So do that, and we'll fucking review some goddamn pervert, for Christ's sakes. And uh, John shows her in Melbourne International Comedy Festival in March, right? Yeah, everyone come see my shows. Tickets are starting to move for them. It's going to be fun. I'm a fun boy who wants to kiss me. I want to kiss. Fun shows. I'm at DylanGott.net. DylanGott.net or on Twitter at DylanGott if you're in Peterborough for some goddamn reason. April 11th? No, 18th I'll be in Peterborough. April 18th in Peterborough. April 11th in Gananaque. Gananaque for playing some theaters there. So please come suck me off and leave. No show. Thank you so much for listening. Bye bye.